We all have bad habits. There's your Captain Obvious statement for the episode. Nobody has to tell you you have bad habits. You know that. Everybody knows that they have bad habits. And we all have survival mechanisms, especially as single parents. We have those things that we go to because of what we went through, because we don't want to go through it again. It's our knee-jerk reaction to certain events that come along. And at the time that we developed it, we may have needed it. But ask yourself, do you need it now? Or has your survival tactic become a bad habit? And is that now holding you back from living the life that God wants you to live? Welcome to The Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Now, we like to dismiss some of these things. We look at some of the things we do, and we go, oh, it's not that bad. The big ones are really obvious. The smoking, drinking too much, staying out too late. Those things are really obvious, and you can't really say it's not that bad. But everyone procrastinates sometimes, right? Everyone tells a little lie every once in a while, right? It's not that bad. And when it comes to our survival mechanisms, we don't think they're bad at all. It's just what we have to do now, right? It's how we get through it. But that's not enough. And some of these things aren't even inherently wrong. They're hobbies that we have, things that we do that on the level of good or bad sort of fall in the neutral area like i've been a video gamer for a long time there's not anything inherently wrong with gaming but it can become a problem it can be a huge distraction it can be an addiction it can be something that negatively influences everything else you do in your life now i use gaming because that's what i relate to But think about your life. Is there something that isn't that bad or isn't inherently bad that you do, but it's having that sort of impact on the people around you? Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. He goes on in this passage to talk about fleeing from sexual immorality. That's the rest of the context of this verse. But Paul starts very generic here. All things. That's about as generic as you can get. These things are lawful, but not everything is helpful. There are things that we do that aren't helpful. Or maybe they were helpful at one point, but now they're not helpful anymore. A lot of our survival strategies are things that we have developed in our power, in our mind, to get through a situation. And we need that. God empowered us to do that, to get through those things. But if it doesn't apply anymore, it's time to stop it. Paul says, I will not be dominated by anything. Are there feelings or reactions 
or attitudes that dominate your life? If your friends had to describe you, what would be the top things that they say your life is about? Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Those are the things that are dominating you. That's where you are putting your time. If those things aren't helpful, or if they are controlling you in such a way that it is impacting your relationship with God, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with people around you, your friends and your family, you need to take a real hard look at that and consider what you can do to change it. Because our lives are not supposed to be about what we want or what we can do in our own power to survive. It's about what God has for us, where God leads us. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. When we hear ungodliness and worldly passions, we jump to sort of the big things, the pornography level things. But that's not all that ungodliness and worldly passions means. If you are pursuing something that draws you away from God and towards the world, ungodliness and worldly passions. And that thing doesn't have to register very high on the is this a bad thing scale? But if it pulls you away from God, it, it registers at the top of that scale. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world sees in that thing. We are to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Who has control over your life? Do you let God have control over your life, or do you keep it for yourself? Now, I know the words in this verse are self-controlled, but when God is directing your life, then your self-control is empowered and directed by God. So you can say no to things that under your own power you wouldn't be able to say no to. Or you can say yes to something that under your own power you wouldn't have been able to say yes to. We like to think that God only directs us to say no, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. God says say no, say no, say no. There are things that God has for us to do. As I said in the last episode, we're going to start talking about practical things to do. There are things that God has for us to do, which means we have to say yes to some things. James tells us that faith without works is dead. We have to do stuff too. But how do we know? How do we know where to go to break our habit, to get out of our comfort zone of who we think we are or who we have become, to get through our story? How do we know? How do we even start? It starts with where you're finding your joy. And I know that seems like a weird jump, but bear with me for a second. Where are you allowing yourself to find your joy, the things that 
don't just make you happy, but excite you? What makes your heart jump when you hear there's the opportunity to do it? Is that thing, or those things, things from God? Psalm 37.4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies are supposed to be focused on God. That is where our joy is to come from, is to do what he has for us to do. And yes, there is an element of that that is go to church, read your Bible, pray. If you're not doing those things, those are things to start doing that will help change your mindset. You are incorporating new things. You're saying yes to something new. And when you do that, there are bad things that will get pushed out. But God doesn't stop there. This is going to seem mundane. What if God wanted you to buy lunch for somebody at work who is struggling? What if God wanted you to talk to somebody who hurt you? What if God wanted you to forgive that person? And that last one isn't even really a question because of course God wants you to forgive them. But what if he wanted you to say it to them? Would you do it? Could you do it? Would you be willing to give up whatever survival mechanism you created to get through that situation? Would you give that up to do what God told you to do? Because this verse from Psalms comes with a promise. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, point of interest, when I was in college, in homiletics, we had to do a set of sermons. And the first few sermons, we were given a certain set of passages we had to do. And one time it was a verse, and one time it was a passage, and one time it was like a chapter. And my verse was Psalm 37.4. There's something I realized about Psalm 37.4 back then. We hear this, and we think he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, great. I want these things. But when you delight yourself in the Lord, when you focus on God, when you make him where you derive your joy, doing the things that he tells you to do from the Thou shalt, thou shalt not, down to the mundane, day-to-day things that don't seem like they affect anybody. The desires of your heart become God's desires for your life. You start to want the same things that God does. Your heart gets healed. Your heart gets transformed into something new. So the things that you think you want or you feel like you want, if they don't line up with what God wants for you, he's not really in favor of that. But when your focus is on God, you start to want the same things. What kind of things does God want for you? He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to take good care of your kids. He wants you to keep them safe. He wants you to stop just surviving and start living and start living the life that he has for you. So the practical thing here is 
to not just say, oh yeah, that's just a habit I have. Stop it. If you are self-aware enough to know that you have this bad habit, stop it. Start doing something else. And yes, it's going to be hard, but put something better in that place. If your habit is procrastination, and I have it, stop doing it. Stop putting off things you know you can't put off. Stop putting off things you know you can put off. Just get it done. If it runs deeper than that, if it's one of the big things, please find help. Pride does no one any good. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And if you've been surviving and surviving and surviving, it's time to start living. It's time to start living the life that God has for you. I want to close with one last story from the Bible. And I'm going to just sort of give you the high level here. You can find it if you want to read it in detail. And we're going to do another episode on this in more detail later. In 2 Samuel 12, verses 15 to 23, David has taken Bathsheba as his wife. He's killed Uriah the Hittite murder by war, and Bathsheba has a son. And the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, because of the sin, your son is going to die. So the son gets sick, and David throws himself to the ground and prays for seven days. David's the king at this point, and he just shuts down. Shuts on everything to pray that this wouldn't happen. Then the child dies. And David gets up, cleans himself, gets dressed, eats some food. And his servants don't understand. And they ask him, what are you doing? And David says, he's dead now. There's nothing else I can do. You see, we've all gone through situations where bad things were happening and We did everything that we could to try to fix it, to try to stop it. David, in this story, the only thing he can do is seek after God's face. And there are things that we have done, habits that we have developed to survive our stories, our situations. If you're in a position where that situation is over now, it's time to get up and start doing something else. Get to or get back to what you are called to do. Don't wait. The time to start doing that is now. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have something more for us than simply surviving. We pray you give us the boldness, the strength to follow you and chase after you in such a way that we stop surviving and start living the life that you have for us, that we would renounce, that we would push away from anything that pulls us away, even if we don't think it's that bad, and that you would bring us towards the things that are good for us, that are helpful. Don't let us get distracted, and don't let us see a problem in ourselves and then not fix it. Heal us, please. We need it. Jesus' name.
Amen. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you for taking a few minutes of your time to join me wherever you found me. Please go rate, review. If you're on an app that doesn't do that, uh, Google Play or the iTunes Store, this is how their algorithms work. I know I say it every week. This is how their algorithms work to find the show so other people see it. Until next time, go and start finding and living the life that God has for you to live.